Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Baked and Awake podcast. I'm your host, Steve Kaminsky. I'd like to thank you all for taking a few minutes and hanging out with me today. We've got a great episode lined up for you. I'd like to let new listeners just arriving for the first time sort of give you a quick rundown. First off, again, welcome. Thank you for finding us and hanging out, spending any of your valuable podcast bandwidth with us here at Baked and Awake. Please keep in mind, if it wasn't apparent from the title of the podcast, that we're a cannabis-related show here. We smoke on the show, talk about cannabis quite a bit. We also get into a lot of other topics of much more general interest, but everything is, well, let's say looked at through slightly green-tinted lenses around here. Uh, Just something to keep in mind in case you're listening at work or listening in mixed company and you want to maybe save it for your drive home, a walk later, some of your own time. All right, that's more than enough of a warning, isn't it? Uh, I'd like to let you know before we jump into the content for the day that actually today's episode is almost entirely going to be presented by a good friend of mine and a local Seattle cannabis pro, Super Chronic Josh, also known as Josh Kincaid. Uh, Josh is a, as I said, well-known local industry pro with a particular sort of set of chops from his background in the financial realms. So, and you'll hear that a little bit in his commentary as he gets into it here. Josh actually, at my behest, and it was just a almost a casual aside that I had mentioned to Josh when he let me know he was heading down to Las Vegas last week and uh, last week, excuse me, for MJ BizCon. For those of you who don't know, it's a really big cannabis convention. Josh is going to give you a little bit more details about it when he gets here in just a, in just a moment. But uh, I said, Josh, hey, if you want to, bud, you know, take your phone and just point it at a few people or get me some ambient floor sounds from the show. Let me know how it went for you. I'd love to include that in an upcoming episode. Well... He went above and beyond. Absolutely, basically gives us all a virtual tour of the conference in the course of three days of recording, talking to almost all of the over 20,000 people, I think, that were down there this year. It's crazy how big this event is. So Josh talked to most of them, so get ready, everybody. (laughs) Uh... He gave us content from all three days, from after parties. Um, I mean, just insightful, awesome conversations with loads of different amazing cannabis pros. Uh, I hope a few of them find their way to the show to listen to their segments with Josh. I'll be listing as many of them as I can uh, pick out correctly in the show notes for you and providing all sorts of other links in the show notes about MJ BizCon. So definitely check that out. Um, you know, I always like to put a lot of 
work into the show notes or at least an amount of work into the show notes so that the episodes have their audio content and then there's also some resources that go along with it that help you track back to things we talked about during the episode so all right everybody without too much further ado i'm gonna have a little puff with you here as i remind you that you can email me anytime to talk to me about show content give me ideas what you want to hear here on baked and awake you know we get philosophical you know we get spiritual we get a little bit uh, not too like directly political our, our politics are a little bit more abstract here on the show and that's not because I'm not a you know political human but by golly you didn't come here for the politics you certainly don't want to encounter it once you're here right um, and it's still unavoidable there's still a little bit in everybody's content everywhere so and I know you're bound to disagree with me on some things sorry I love you anyway uh, check out the website bakedandawake.com recently just mildly updated slightly updated and I added a um, page on my website where you can access my new Baked and Awake news brief which is an Alexa flash briefing that's an Alexa skill that you can enable on your Alexa powered smart speaker that works on the Echo and Echo Dots all of them uh, and will enable you to get a presently I'm doing like three times a week Monday Wednesday Friday during weekdays very short updates on cannabis headlines and things like that that are powered by some Google alerts I've set up check it out sometime easiest way if you're not an Alexa person visit the website bakedandwake.com and you can still get to that same content because it's still just a baby podcast it's an RSS feed as well all right friends um if uh you don't already know about it one other great way to connect with me is instagram uh that's at baked underscore and underscore awake uh, i post a lot of silly memes there and a lot of like show related content as well sometimes pictures and things that go along with the episodes and uh other stuff like that so I'm really active on there, and you can also message me on Instagram, and I usually get back to pretty much everybody. So, Josh, once again, I want to thank you for your amazing report, for getting me 12 or 13 different audio files and then coming home and still recording more for me uh, in the form of your final thoughts and commentary, which was very illuminating as well. Uh, super appreciate the collaboration, my friend, and look forward to doing more like this together in the future. Everybody, enjoy. I'm going to turn you over to Josh. We'll see you soon. Smoke that indica. Do shit anyway. This is Josh Kincaid, Superchronics, representing Baked in Awake Podcast. I'm here to give you my final recap on MJ BizCon, but I thought it might be a good idea to tell you what it is. So, the annual MJ BizCon is a three day event brings a whole bunch of people together uh there's exhibitors there's speakers there's um this you know industry professionals investors entrepreneurs uh, all kinds of people all at the same place the las vegas convention center um there was twenty-seven thousand six hundred people this year up from eighteen thousand last year and over a thousand booths i think there's a thousand eighty booths this year uh, 150 speakers, more than 65 sessions, so um, it, it took a while. 
I hustled the, the first day. It took me four hours to see all of the booths. Um, I think it was 10,600 steps, uh, maybe five miles. And I was exhausted, <laughs> but um, got to see a lot. So I'm going to kind of give you a quick recap, I guess. If if you were there and you went to some of the the speakers, you might hear you know, an, an analysis of the trends, latest industry data updates, or how to prepare your business for large corporate competitors, um, the future of fundraising, latest capital market trends. They may present the future of science and research or top strategies for navigating regulatory hurdles. I don't particularly pay the extra $200 to go to those. It's already $400 to get in. It's it's expensive on top of your airfare and hotel and, and all of that. Um, when I've done it in the past, I have gone to some of the, like the capital market trends and uh, what's new, and they talk about a small business association loan and a credit card advance, and I really didn't get anything out of it, and they're early, okay, and that's also important. So to get there by, you know, nine, when you've been at a party uh, that's been hosted by, you know, Dope Magazine for their Golden Ticket Party, or High Times, or um, Arcane Reverie had a really nice Wonderland party, or, um, you know, the Hard Rock that throws an awesome um, locals cup. You know, you don't necessarily want to wake up at 9 a.m. and go to something that's not worth your time or money. And so, really, you have to weigh those, uh, weigh those out. But um, what I did find interesting was just the sheer scope. Uh, basically, when I talk to people, that's kind of the feedback I got was the size and how big it was and how many people were there. And a lot of people didn't even go in. They just chose not to pay the money at all and hung out outside. There was probably a couple hundred people out there smoking at any time of day. And there's a lot of people who got value out of it. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. I probably saw more lighting companies than I needed to. You know, there's high-pressure sodium bulbs that I think were used in streetlights in the 1880s, and they're still trying to sell those to indoor growers. And maybe back to the scope, um, somebody trying to sell, you know, a half-ton grinder for $65,000. And I can't think of anybody outside of California or Canada that would need or want a huge, massive grinder. Um... There was a booth specifically for Canadian IPOs, so I'm not sure if that means we're at a bubble, but there's a lot of CBD companies out there, and I'm not sure that their brands are going to survive. I, if I'm wrong, leave, leave a comment. Love your feedback. I just don't think branding is where it needs to be. I think it's about revenue. It's about sales. It's about surviving, and your brand means nothing right now, although I think we're at that precipice it's the cusp that's kind of turning to um, an opportunity you know coca-cola coming in buying these companies in in canada that's going to happen here but you know you've got to get to that point um, a lot of packaging companies i find that interesting but i just think that the margins are there um i don't think they really offer a whole lot of different stuff it's kind of like the soil companies back in the day you don't see too many of them anymore thank god um 
what I'd like to see more of is innovative ancillary products. I want to see more toys, and I think the lack of that really kind of highlights the lack of innovation I think has a lot to do with the inability for cannabis companies to have traditional banking, access to uh, loans and financing, and still the expense of minimal viable products to, to 3D print. Uh, you know, a stupid fucking idea is still expensive. You know, if it costs a couple thousand dollars, it's, it's, pretty, it's going to limit... Uh, their ability to scale if they can't go in and get that financing. So um, that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'd like to see some more of is uh, some some cool stuff. We um, have access to the world's largest 3D printer in the world. So stay tuned for that. Um, some of the their clients right now are Department of Defense and Boeing. And so we're able to take a concept to print in six and a half hours and do that cheap um, they also have uh, packaging for Walmart, so all of that is about to get much, much cheaper. Stay tuned. That is my recap for Baked and Wake. This is Josh Superchronics. I'm out. Hi, this is Josh Kincaid, Seattle Superchronics. We're here at the day one MJ BizCon. I stopped by the Canberra 5 booth. It's uh, Canvas Industries Anti-Counterfeit Blockchain Solution. I'm here with Vic. Vic, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Canberra Yeah, sure. Um... I'm a software developer. I've been developing software for the last 15 years. Um, my brother and I have also been med patients uh, since 2004 under Prop 215. And one of the things we noticed is there was no real way to verify what you're purchasing is what they say it is. And we started noticing this becoming more apparent in the recent years. And we actually even had a personal encounter that really pushed us to develop this system where we purchased a pack of seeds that from a person where there was a lot of you know, uh, talk that, you know, they weren't very trustworthy. So that got us thinking, you know, do we spend $200 on, you know, a fake pack of seeds? So we've, we even went as far as to contact the breather, try to verify, but even that, you know, there's no way to really verify it, you know, what the seed, if the seed is actually, you know, what they say it is. So what we did was we, we decided there needed to be a solution just to prove that what the consumer is buying is what it is. And that's how we ended up developing a can verify. Yeah, so far, the, the uh, it's been very positive. We had a lot of great feedback uh, regarding the system. We work with a lot of breeders now, and they are really thankful for the system because they've had issues uh, with either people reselling or repackaging their product, people swapping out seeds. So this really helps protect them and the consumer to make sure that both parties are getting you know what they want. I don't actually think it's an easy integration. I feel this means more towards compliance and where compliance is going. You know, it's also what we plan on doing is really focusing on a track and trace solution as well, and that does go with a lot of the regulations. So I don't think there's any pushback. I actually think it's more welcomed. Well, honestly, this is our first show. You know, we've been developing the software for the last year. So we've got to a point where it's solid and we're actually ready to put it out there. So just excited to see what people's reactions are and just to hear um, feedback face-to-face -face, uh, regarding, regarding our system. Right. Perfect.
appreciate you sharing your story with me. Victim Wink. I'm sitting here at Realm of Caring with Joel. And uh, Joel, tell me just a brief little intro about what you guys do. So we're a nonprofit organization. Um, we are trying to be pioneers on research and education for medicinal cannabis. So we are trying to uh, validate cannabis as a therapy and as a medicine and um, you know, prove it to the government and the medical establishment that this should be uh, an option for people. We are partnered with Johns Hopkins University and University of Pennsylvania for our largest study. Um, we have some smaller studies affiliated with some other um, universities, but it's all accredited researchers. And um, so we're very excited to be with um, very legitimate um, teammates in this project. So um, autism is the second highest um, condition in our pediatric population. So we deal with a lot of families who have children with that condition or on the spectrum. And um, we have some pre-published research from our largest study that we have presented on at a few different conferences this year. And I have a, a printout of it right here. I'd like to uh, you know, briefly go over with you. Um, one of the, uh, the, the highlights of this study is that quality of life for those using cannabinoid therapy versus those not using cannabinoid therapy um, the quality of life is much higher, and the satisfaction of health is showing to be higher. They're sleeping better, um, they have less anxiety, and they have less depression. And so, um, this is pre-published. We can't say that this is proof of anything yet, but it's a great indicator of what we have been seeing. And um, if we, you know, once we get more people in the study, it'll be more statistically significant. Most of our clients uh, take CBD, high CBD products. Um, it says right here, products high in CBD versus those high in THC were predominant, though many did not report. So that, that's saying that most of these reported that they were using a high CBD versus instead of a high THC product. So the so, conclusion is statistically significant improvement in quality of life, the health satisfaction, anxiety, depression, and sleep they were observed in the cannabinoid users compared with non-users. No demographic differences were observed. Interesting. Any final words? Uh, if you have any needs whatsoever, please contact our call center. We have free resources for everyone, and we love to help improve your quality of life as best we can. Uh, the phone number is area code 719-347-5400, option one, to reach a care specialist. And the email is info at the ROC.us. This is Super Chronic Josh. I'm sitting here at the Hard Rock for the Jack Herr Cup. Most uh, underrated, probably, party of the day in competition with High Times Magazine, Dope Magazine, uh, you name it. Tonight is the night we are here at the Hard Rock for the Jack Herr Cup. Uh, I'm sitting here next to my uh, co-host for the day. This is Christina Glumkowski. She is uh, an attorney. She's an investor uh, and a good friend of mine. So. Thanks, Josh. I'm so glad that we're such good friends that you got my name wrong. It's Katrina Glogowski. Yeah, that's how we roll. <laughs> so, uh, we are heavily into it here, uh, into the second night. Uh, we have uh, heavy hitters here. All of the 
best of the best here for the Jack Rucker Cup. Um, special uh, celebrity of the night is. Uh, I heard Tommy Chong. Did you hear Tommy Chong? I heard Tommy Chong, but Tommy Chong is not going to make it, unfortunately. He will be here by my path, walking around like Mad Max. Uh, but it is three recipient of the year award, lifetime achievement award, and all that good stuff. But um, let's dive right into uh, MJ BizCon. You were here for about a day and a half. Tell me some new niche bullshit song. Uh, 25,000 people, 1,000 vendors. What did you see that, that took your fancy? Well, Josh, first and foremost, MJ BizCon is huge. There are booths that I. <laughs> There are booths that I didn't even get to, but one of the things that really surprised me was the changing technology, changing form factor of the vape pens. They have all sorts of new vape pens that are coming out with different shapes, different sizes, different purposes. That'll be interesting. That and the science behind cannabis. <laughs> so primarily I think it's size. There are a lot of vape units out there where you can adjust the temperature, which will allow a user experience some more control. But I really think the driver in the vape pen market is size, discreteness, of course the rechargeable battery as opposed to the disposable. There's a lot of consumers that are very concerned about sustainability. But I do believe I do believe the main driver is size, Josh. Get through security. That is the first time I've ever encountered that, actually. First and foremost, they asked to surrender your flower. Okay, technically it's illegal to have weed in a bar. Certainly consumption of weed in a bar. Uh, possession, I would argue, is legal. But okay, but you've, you've heard that before. No consumption on site. But the first time I encountered this was at the after party at MJ BizCon, where they asked you to surrender paraphernalia. So, uh, a bowl, a vape pen, uh, rolling papers, although I think that's extreme. But they were requiring surrender of the paraphernalia too, and that is something I've never seen, and that, that concerns me. A MJ BizCon event with Snoop Dogg, they confiscated not only cannabis, but also cannabis paraphernalia. Much to my surprise. I want to thank 420 Wholesale Pack for inviting 
me and Josh to the Jack Herrer Cup, and I want to thank them. They also have really cool daisy rolling papers. Thank you. I'm going to meet and greet, I'm going to meet and greet, and I'm going to shake some hands, and I'm looking for deals. So hopefully the intimacy of this event will allow that to occur, Josh. factors that I search for. The first is financials. If you're coming to raise money, why? Are you looking to grow? Are you looking to develop a prototype? Or are you somewhere in between? So I, so I am always looking for why you want the money. The second thing is who's your team? What kind of experience do they have? Have they run a business before? Have they successfully run a business before? And what type of support do they have behind this individual? And then the third and final thing, as a cannabis investor, I am always concerned about compliance, Josh. You have to be right. It's kind of the, uh, the big deal to make sure that your investors are able to have a return to them. I think the <laughs> I think the concept of cannabis as acceptable has already become mainstream. I do not think cannabis as acceptable has become mainstream. But the idea, the exposure to the concept that it's not that bad is now acceptable. I see legalization across the board in three years. I mean, three more states just legalized in, at the last election. They're falling like paper clips. I think the next thing in cannabis is catering to the soccer mom, catering with packaging to the soccer mom, creating with, with, um, <laughs> creating a form factor acceptable to the soccer mom. Is it a vape pen? Is it an edible? Is it a tincture? Is it a lotion? And finally, taking enough shame out of the word cannabis so that a soccer mom will actually buy it. 
And that's what the next thing is. Josh and Monix, I'm out. Every, every uh, taxi has it on it, you know. It's it, The town has just completely embraced it. I mean, all the all the uh, the little novelty shops for tourists have just cannabis, weed everywhere, you know. So so they are not ashamed of it. And this, like, I grew up in Los Angeles, and I was just there. You can't even tell weed's legal in L.A. It just doesn't even seem like it. They're just like, yeah, it's legal. We're going to have to talk about it. <laughs> Here we're like, fuck, yeah, weed! People are standing on the Vegas Strip, just like, you know, smoking bowls, cops walking by going, I'm not going to bother you. I just, <laughs> no <laughs> consumption know. lounges yet. They don't do anything. No, the consumption lounges are right around the corner, though. Um, you know, baby steps for sure. And and I was part of the Colorado experiment. Uh, I, I had a cannabis comedy show at uh, one of the many legal speakeasies in Colorado Springs. So I know the model and I know, like, you know, how cool it can be. I think here, they're just waiting for all the ducks to be in a row, and once it happens, you're going to see Snoop Dogg's Lounge, Wiz Khalifa's Lounge, Willie Nelson's, Tommy Chong's, Matthew McConaughey's, uh, Jim Belushi. Like, now every, now people that weren't even pot smokers are like, you know what, I've decided. I want. <laughs> Breaking news, we're here at the fourth annual Jack Herr Cup. We're here at... Uh... Yeah, Hard Rock. Yeah. Right here on the strip. Jeffrey Peterson, 420 comic. Man, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. This is, you know, I came out here specifically for Jack because Jack was a friend of mine. And uh, I I was so blessed to be able to be like kind of a court jester to Jack. And, uh, you know, he had so much knowledge. I, I met him in 1991. And uh, he immediately schooled me on on what I hadn't really known about this amazing plant. And, uh, and I became like a kind of a soldier for him. And uh, I used... The, the medium of entertainment to be an activist uh, first with my heavy metal band uh, Night Riot we we were a Christian heavy metal band on the Sunset Strip uh, back in the day and in 1991 we had a song called The Ballad of the Unsung Hero about hemp and it was inspired by Jack's book and people were like you can't sing about pot you're like Christian and we're like yeah we're the kind of Christians that smoke pot you know and so uh, and then, you know, in 2003, I started doing comedy as the 420 comic, and I thought, what a great way to, to you know, keep the conversation going uh, through a form that people can handle, you know, by, if you get people laughing, you get them thinking. And um, so, I love it, yeah, and, and the, kudos to the Hard Rock, man, this place is, uh, you know, yeah. Yep. Thank you. It, it's so amazing. In 2014, I moved out to Colorado, and I, I just was thrust into this show accidentally. And to this day, they're going to their fourth season. I'm the only person to ever win on the show, officially. There, there's there's a lot of investments, in, you know, in negotiation. But Chris Chiari from King of Quality uh, invested in my company, Cali Chronic Comics. And we are chugging along. We're right now uh, creating an animated series based on uh, one of my comic books, The Achievers, which I'm super excited about. We've got a ton of uh, celebrities lined up for voices, including rock stars, so I just can't wait to divulge all that. But uh, through King of Quality and their investment, I've gotten my comic books out to the world, my coloring books, my rolling papers, all my greeting cards out. So I'm in the business of fun, and you know, thankfully, there was somebody that saw that because everyone else was pitching like grow stuff or or glass blowing stuff or nutrients i wanted to pitch the the other side what happens after you use cannabis you know you need something to do and that's where i come in <laughs> yeah. 
there's the there's the cultivation the cannabis grow uh, conference down at the plaza which is surprising down at the end of Fremont Street so this town is I mean I truly you know um, I, I usually step into some I'm, I, unless I'm invited as a guest that's I, I, I think honestly $250 a day is greedy and I think you know it, it's it's a it's a, a capitalist society but you know it, it's it's a little out of touch yeah that's all right I did that <laughs> oh my god and this was at the expo you cited see i'm not privy to i'm not privy to that side of of people that are in this now ridiculous aspect of of way overcharging people and you know yeah it is it is it's nuts and uh you know um i just i think it's what i think is amazing is uh, a great observation about what's going on is you've seen the strip is now uh, on the outskirts is littered with dispensaries and we're talking huge dispensaries Colorado I hate to tell you these dispensaries are bigger and they're crazier they'll come pick you up from your casino and take you there and there you go there you go and I'm sorry med med uh, MedMen, I am a stoner and I will continue to be. But I was going to mention to you guys what's crazy is there's a, an entire generation now with all these legal states of younger people, millennials, they've never purchased their marijuana from a dealer like we did. They've purchased their marijuana only from these. Yeah, right. They don't know what it's like to have to watch your dealer's baby. <laughs> yeah. They've never had to listen to their dealer's demo tape. I have. And then you have to review it if you want the weed. You know, and who's ever had to have dinner with your dealer and his family? I have. You know, so, so you know, I'm, I'm here. That's to, part two. You have to stay tuned yeah, for that later. I'm here to I'm here to teach the kids a little bit, and uh, but it's fun. Um, I love uh, I love that now that cannabis is kind of a new vice in Vegas. Like, how often does Vegas get a new vice that comes along down the pike? So this has really worked out for Vegas. You know, with besides Raider Nation coming, look out. But uh, you know, that's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. You know, between the Golden Knights, Raider Nation, and weed. This town is going to be out of control. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be crazy. Oh, you can find me. I'm, I'm reside right here in fabulous Sin City. So please, you guys, if, you, if you're anywhere. Uh, if you can show up at your doorstep, yeah. where can they find you online? Well, you can, of course, you can find me on the social networks, Instagram and, and Twitter and all that stuff. The 420 comic, really easy to find, or Jeffrey Peterson 420. But I, I encourage you, because there are a lot of people travel, if you come to town, look me up. I'm, I'm at one of the casinos. Yeah, very approachable, and I will smoke pot with you. Okay. And, and so, uh, you know, I just want to leave uh, just an honor to Jack again because because it just can't be understated. You know, uh, in a, on a serious note, all this stuff kind of came about from the Emperor Wears No Clothes. So anybody who hasn't read The Emperor Wears No Clothes, find out why Jack Hare is such a great guy and why he was so important to all this. He never grew weed. He he, he, he has a strain named after him, but he's not a grower and he's not, he's not known for that. Find out what he's known for. He's known for digging up the truth and releasing it like a, a, a very brave person. Yeah. Cheers. Program. <laughs>
Oh, I got to tell you, Josh, you know, uh, this is not my first Jack Herrera Cup, but it is, I think, the best. Here we are enjoying some of the finest legal cannabis uh, in the country while we're celebrating the local growers, processors, and retailers really make it happen. Uh, it's a great time to be in Las Vegas. Uh, Oh, man, you know, well, first of all, it's just the size and scope of this thing. Uh, I guess my first reaction is this isn't one industry. It's multiple industries uh, that are uh, basically sharing a space. Uh, so as our industry goes mainstream, I think uh, you will see a, a splitting off. And in fact, what was cool is I was uh, participating in things like uh, the Women of Cannabis Conference that happened on Tuesday before MJBizCon. So you're seeing a lot of uh, uh, folks who are opportunistically or Organizing to take advantage of the fact that everybody in the industry is here. Uh, the other thing I would say is, you know, Curved Papers, uh, who I've been working with, uh, we launched in 19 or 2015 in Denver, has gone mainstream. You know, this industry is going not just to the cannabis consumer, but to the mainstream consumer. So I think that's the big uh, hashtag, international and commercial. And, and the guys at Normal, right? So they're benefiting Normal by selling 100% hemp. Hemp is another big consumer thing that I'm seeing. Uh, you're seeing CBD infused wraps and uh, you know hemp industrials coming all into the market. Really exciting. Uh, I would say there were uh, as many conversations about CBD and hemp as there were about recreational or medical cannabis. Well, you know, I, 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 Josh, I think the uh, the theme really is rather than us come up with our own uh, statewide regulations, uh, you're going to see after the States Act, uh, the industry adopt common federal standards. Uh, it's really a question of what standards for what products, what will be pharmaceutical, what will be nutraceutical, what will be food grade, what will be GMP. Each of those have its own uh, federal regulator and it has its own economic impact. So it's really a question of where and who controls the market. That's happening today uh, and it's being empowered by the Canadian uh, Securities Exchange, which are financing acquisitions. Uh, you're seeing companies like Canopy Growth and Tilray who are exporting cannabis internationally into places like the Caribbean and Africa. This is happening today. Uh, you're going to see that accelerate in the next uh, 12 months. Uh, go to mjba.net uh, if you want to find out how to join the association. If you're interested in keeping track of the news, we do lots of free news stuff at mjnewsnetwork.com. So check us out. Uh, thanks, Josh. I really appreciate it, brother. Thanks for sitting down. So we are advocates for the cannabis industry. Um, we started 
roughly over three years ago because we wanted to ensure that businesses stay open and compliant are able to pay their employees because we really believe in the human factor of the industry. And with that, there comes a lot of compliance and challenges. So we do essentially a hire to fire situation where we do onboarding, recruiting, applicant tracking into payroll, which complies with 280E. So we're able to manage if you're plant touching versus maybe a bud tender and how we can write off that labor for you. We do hold all of the accountability on taxes. And also when you get to the point where you grow to your full time where ACA is necessary, we manage that as well, because I know it can be a bit confusing. But most of all, we like to work hard, play hard and ensure that this business continues to grow and that people are successful and healthy. So that's kind of the gamut. It is growing. This conference is probably close to 50 percent bigger than last year. That's correct. It's interesting because with the growth that we've had and the way the industry has grown and legalization, whether it be medical or recreational, we tend to see a lot of people getting dropped by their payroll companies and they're now seeing the value of it and coming into a show like this. We have to actually sit down and have conversations like you and I are having on what's important and how it's affecting them. So we've seen a tremendous amount of growth. We've had a huge year. But again, it's because we support the human factor to begin with. It's not just about cutting a paycheck. It's about how can we continue to you know, help cancer patients or anybody with anxiety, things like that. So allowing businesses to stay open supports that. But it's grown tremendously. Um, I have a partner who I work with where she was at one of the first events that was at the Rio with 2,000 people. And look at us now. So it's quite exciting. Yeah, I've seen that at quite a few different conferences in a few different states. Where are you seeing some of these employees come from? And is the is the increase coming from corporate America? Or is it increasing in size? Tell me a little bit about the demographics and the size of the employment. Absolutely. I think we're seeing more corporate America come into this section um, because there is an opportunity like we had back in to the early 2000s with tech, right? So this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to people are realizing it. So they're jumping to come on board and be a part of this movement and support and legalization. It's just tremendous. I actually spoke with a partner of mine the other day. He came from Wall Street and is now opening two dispensaries in Maine. And he said if 10 years ago you would have said he was doing this, he would have just laughed and shut the door. And But I think we're seeing the value in it. And also, you know, to touch on the point of the opiate epidemic that we have across the nation, this is helping to combat that slowly. But I think it's going to be more productive for that. So you do some compliance. Tell me a little bit about um, how you can add some more value because there's always some regulatory issues, changing laws, changing. Um, how are you able to kind of keep people steered clear of, of some of the pitfalls and maybe touch on a couple examples of, of what people can avoid that you see you know, from your experience? Absolutely. So uh, as you said, everything is ever changing. So what we do, because it is cloud-based, um, we are able to create different platforms and criteria where handbooks for changed and modified very quickly versus having to rewrite an entire thing. Um, it's not just the compliance piece necessarily, like the clocking and clocking out, but we do allocate labor into 280 write-offs versus not and handle all of that. So that's some give back to you know, the owners because the taxation is so high in this industry and the back end. We're not making money hand over fist. And then also... Uh, 280 is a, a tax uh, law that was involved in the 80s for cocaine traffickers buying yachts and writing those off. So it involves anything cannabis related from uh, the tax on a pipe, for example, to uh, employment, or not employment, but maybe the building. A lot of different stuff. This isn't a tax podcast, but it affects the entire industry. So Anything basically with dispensing, where in, if they're butt tenders, you know, that is something that is a write-off, but if they're actually dispensing, it's a challenge, right? But I think the biggest thing we're seeing is employee engagement. So that's where we come into play, too, that is a game changer, is how do you take somebody who says, I'm just a bud tender? You're not a bud tender. You're helping my business grow, but how can I help you grow? 
So with that, you know, the engagement that we have with this platform is huge. Um, we will be developing an LMS, which will kind of, I get back to the restaurant industry days, because that's kind of my old background, where you have somebody who is a fry cook, who is a franchise owner, you know, 10 years down the road. That's what we want to see. We don't want it to be a, I'm just this, I'm just that. We want career growth in this industry. And as soon as we utilize, it's going to be even bigger than that. So we want to ensure that that engagement is key internal with it's important from the start, there's a headset for industry work where it was just really bad in terms of engagement and retention. The amount of people for turnover was hideous. Uh, so if you haven't seen that, go to headset.io and look at that industry report. It's pretty fascinating. So, Rebecca, tell me, you're looking at your crystal ball and you're looking at the future. What is something new, niche, neat, or exciting in the industry uh, in terms of uh, career growth or business or employment or industry or anything? What do you see? You know, I see I see the next two years are gonna be really big years for us. I feel that we will be legalized nationally in the next two to three years. So now is the time career wise for anybody to get in. We, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. This is something that you will never see again in your lifetime. There was we had the tech movement, you know, way back when and that's kind of died off. This for me at least in my lifetime span, I see this being an opportunity where you can jump in and start and get just running, no matter who you're with, if you're with a dispensary, if you're with somebody like work where we have career growth. Um, manufacturing, any of the disposables that go along with it, packaging, it's the time. And I think eventually we're gonna hit that plateau. But it's the time to get in now, my crystal ball is in the next two years, jump if you can and get out of the suit life. I've done it. It's fun, but this is way more fun and it's way more engaging and I just I love what I do because again it's it's different than that tech industry time. This drives down to the human factor and we're coming back to where we need to be with everything with technology and disconnecting with phones and social media. This truly affects people in a good way. Alright, so how can people find work? Well, you can go to www.enjoywrkwork.com or you can find me on social media, Rebecca Berry Dash Work, or Enjoy Work on Instagram and on Facebook. And we would absolutely love to connect with anybody and even just partners to support the industry as a whole. That's it. This is Josh Day Three. I'm out. Thanks, Josh. Day Three at MJ BizCon. We're here with uh, Jason Lammers of 420WholesalePack.com and my man Michael Fox of 420 Moving Company. Uh, Jason, what are you guys doing? We are uh, here uh, showing off all of our packaging and uh, equipment automation for the cannabis producer processes. Love it. Michael, what are you doing here? I'm looking at all these amazing packaging solutions. Yep. Yeah, so this is our latest printer that we've got. It's a, pretty much a commercial print press and a nice little footprint. I've looked at them and I'm a big fan of this stuff because we have a packaging company as well and a distribution company out of Oregon. And these machines are phenomenal. Yeah. And it's, we haven't been able to afford it in our mind. Uh, not financially, we can do that, but what are we going to do with it on our end? It's trying to figure out. You guys are leaps and bounds above a lot of people. So trying to catch up with what you guys are doing. So I think it's a great solution. So to chime in, the reason that this is so phenomenal is what, Jason? Uh, well, the big advantage is you've got an eight and a half inch print head as opposed to the four inch on our entry level model. Uh, you can go multiple ups on this. Most people don't need an eight and a half print head in the cannabis industry because it's a small packaging, but it allows you to go multiple ups. If you've got a one inch label, you can go eight up on this thing and you can just crank your labels out. You know, if you're doing a bunch of carts or pre-rolls or edibles, on-demand printing, you're not throwing labels away anymore. You know, you can just get these out and the print quality on this thing. It's got a double black print system, so the blacks really pop. Uh, it's a 1600 DPI uh, print resolution. And then with the big tankers, you save about 30% uh, on heat cost compared to our entry-level model. So over, over time, it literally pays for us. We've got customers in Cali that are doing these that they're literally saving $10,000 a year in heat on this compared to that model. So what are they saving on regulatory issues when packaging 
requirements change day to day and you drop 40K on a, an order from China and all of a sudden it's irrelevant. Yeah, it really sucks for the producer process. And my customers have been through that. You know, like, like I've even had people where it's on the water, they haven't even seen their order. And then and it's they literally just throw in their order away before I even they even paid me, you know. And, and that just that sucks, obviously. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that to my customers. Uh, but you know, regulations don't care and the government honestly just doesn't care. And so it just sucks. You know, this solves that problem for you. You know, on demand printing, you're not throwing any more labels away ever again. You know, you've got label sheets, you know, we can get your labels ready to go and you're just printing as you need it. You know? Pitching that regulatory risk, I love it. So you've got a lot of other products as well. Something that's really cool that you mentioned was a, a clear glass dab jar with a what plastic top. Yep. And uh, and that's neat because of why. Well, uh, a lot of the guys in the 502 market up in Washington were doing their premium dabs in that container. And me as a consumer, if I'm buying a premium product, I want to see it before I buy it. Uh, there's not a lot of brand loyalty or recognition even yet in this industry. And so I think it's really important that you show off your product and your quality, especially if you are going to position yourself as a premium brand. That packaging became the premium packaging for dabs, but they're all black apps. And so is that how, do I, how do I know that's really quality before I'm going to go drop the 60 bucks, you know? What makes it high quality? Is that because some of the, the concentrates stuck to some of the previous plastics and it wasn't a great experience? Well, I think it's more so that the, the, the high-end consumer is pretty educated and they can usually with their eyeballs determine if something's going to really be great before they buy it. And so they want to see the product to determine if it's, you know, if you see some brown looking oil in there, you're not yeah. going to spend 60 bucks on that, you know? Okay. And so with a black cap, if you're an, you know, an unscrupulous company, you could basically sham, you know, ramp some really crappy product through there and, you know, market it as a premium product and the consumer could be buying that and not even know. I mean, yeah, you're going to not get that customer back, but, you know, you could potentially sell a lot of BS essentially to people. So I think the visual confirmation is without a doubt. I'm loving the packaging because I always, I think of it as an honesty when we're dealing with an agricultural product. It's being able to see it, feel it, touch it, smell it. And since we can't do that, we're taking away these senses. So yep. what are we going to do? And I think the visual is the biggest. A lot of people understand when they're able to see it. They do know that these dark oils or the other stuff. Without education, it's hard to, hard to understand. So I think at least we're clearing up that effect. People have an idea at least what they're looking at. Yeah. And hopefully once you open it up, you have the terpenes and everything else falls yeah. in the line. But at least you have one of them. So it's going mainstream. The MJ BizCon is huge. You've been here for a few years. You've been a vendor. Um, you get a lot of your packaging from, from overseas. Has there been mainstream uh, difficulties like tariffs or anything that you've had to deal with from pricing to availability to anything uh, that, that's been challenging in the industry over the last year? I certainly, I mean, uh, we definitely have the, the, the tariffs impacting everybody in this industry. Um, you know, the third round of tariffs hit all of our categories, essentially. So, um, and that's not just my company, that's everybody. So, you know, if you're an American company and you're buying from China, you've got a 25% tariff on your goods in this industry now. So uh, that's definitely going to have a negative impact. And we won't see that really realize that full impact until next year, because that's when it starts January 1. And then ultimately, you know, guys like me is, I've tried to mitigate that by buying up inventory. So I'm going to try to get my customers the best pricing I can until I have to reorder. But at some point, you know, those prices are going to go up and, uh, you know, we're looking at other alternatives and solutions. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, the idea of bringing America manufacturing, you know, back here is just not very realistic in a lot of senses. You know, maybe in certain markets it can work, but you know, we're not going to make a polybag in America and compete with China ever. In my opinion, we are. Tell me about that. Yeah. So D6 Inc. is uh, that's that's my pitch for you. There's no pitch. Uh, I work with a company called D6 Inc. run by a guy named Ed Dominion. They are a packaging solution. They're the world's only packaging think tank. Uh, they have a 35,000 square foot warehouse that's just dedicated to playing around more 3D printers than anybody in the world. Put the form right on hand. You can take your bag idea conceptually and have you it delivered in six and a half hours in your hand. We're the only person in the world that can do that. So, and along with the recycling program that Ed offers, and it's so aeronautical and secretive projects. It's very accurate, laser cutted, guided, all that. Aeronautical, medical. I mean, we work with a top. I mean, we're, we're blessed to work with Walmart. We do 1.5 billion packages a month for Walmart. All of the fruits and vegetables worldwide are done by D6. So they're they are a solution. 
and that's why we came to you and all of the all of the packaging. I've been in the in the cannabis business for 30 years, been pushing weight since '88, real live, you know, uh, in the flesh, you know, coming from the trenches. And Ed has offered us a solution for us to be able to come in and not only offer the plastics and the packaging for for insanely incredible rates, but he's able to see that we have to have a recycling program. So we've been working with Josh and the other people that we brought on board to take these plastics, take these packaging products, put that D6 or your labels on the bottom, be able to return them, recycle them, and rejoice. So we have a give-back program that we're working through all the dispensaries and through large box stores like CompuCom, owned by Office Depot, and 10.8 billion. So solutions are there. We're looking for them. A guy like you, you've done a phenomenal job in the packaging industry and getting it out there, caring about cost of goods, caring about buying a product enough so that you can save your customers. We're dedicated to working with guys like you because, and the reality of it is, everything here needs a package. And if you're not part of that, that you know, solution, you are the problem. And right now, we make 1.5 billion problems a month. So we want to also be a part of this. So it's bigger than us, you know, throwing some weed in some plastic bags, as you know, or products. We want to change the world with this. The way we do this is going to guys like you that already get it and offering, hey, man, come in, be a part of the family. Let's work this out together. You know, and it's like, there's no sales pitch. It's I know that we have a solution for you financially, but more importantly, you have the solution for all of us because you're dedicated to the cannabis side. Whereas that's where we need your expertise and we need lawyers like yourself because this is the, I think, the first and last stop for all of us. If we don't design with intent in our packaging, we're going to end up in a really, really bad sea of change where people, we become the bad guys again. Yeah. You know, we were the bad guys. We got to police our own industry because, A, the government doesn't know how to do it effectively. So we've got to be the stewards for our own people and, you know, set the standard and, and change how business is done, you know. And, and there's a lot of people in this industry that want to. You know, push for that. So. Unbelievable. You guys have been so dedicated. I, I come from the other side. I'm, I, I spent so many years on put it in bags, I'll sell it. But I never thought about the bag. Yeah. Um, you know, so now that the legalization came in the last 10 years, we've seen, okay, it's nothing about the cannabis for us anymore. At Dope Magazine, when I was there, it was about defending our plants everywhere. We realized that's where, if we're defending our plants everywhere, we have to, we have to defend it by checking out what we're doing in the packaging. We have to understand about what we're doing with the waste from it. All the way, you know, the CBD market to me was wonderful. Because it took waste that we had. We had all this biomass and waste. And we found a home for it. I think the same in the packaging. So. Well, so I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's definitely been a focus that we've been working on as well as the sustainability component. And so we've got some, you know, really exciting compostable bioplastics that we're working on. And we're working on rolling out some really cool solutions. So maybe we should, uh, you know, chat more about that and see that. if we might be able to figure some changes. Subcommittee for recycling the, the Cannabis Alliance? Yeah, actually, the chair of the Packaging Waste Committee at the Cannabis Alliance. And uh, so... Uh, it's been a, a personal, I mean, I'm kind of like you, the way you said it actually is exactly the way I thought about it is when I became a packaging guy and I started importing 40, 40 foot containers regularly, <laughs> of, you know, Chinese poly and it's all landfill material that bothered me, you know, yeah. and, you know, I still need to, you know, put a roof over my head and pay my bills. But so, you know, I got to sell this stuff now, but I don't want to do it forever. And, and there aren't really good solutions yet. So we're, so we're working on developing those. And, uh, Together. I mean, that's really what it is. It's uh, with a program that we have. It's a program that we've done. It's, you know, with Josh and the people we're working with is coming to those guys and saying, you are a solution. Each one of us is. It's not us. It's not my company. It's not D6. It's not It's not the Supertronics. It's none of it. It's all of us coming together in packaging earth with that intent and understanding that it's not going to be solved tomorrow, but we're going to work on it. You know, and working on that solution together, it's, you know, for one, we're going to come in and save you guys a ton of money all, all the way across. Everybody loves the money part. We want to make sure we're in this. It is a can of business, but we want to make sure that we're doing it in a way that says, "Here's the money savings. Here's the back end savings. You know, we're going to save so much of these plastics. We're going to have a recycling program, and that's our big push. And I think that's where you're going to hear me herald D6 and Ed Dominion himself because I don't know too many billionaires personally that take the time to listen to cycling, to listen to cannabis, to listen to solutions. And this is a guy that we've had at the table that's willing and able and and, and committed to. So, you know, we definitely I, I think we're in a good good position. All right, so where can they find you at, Jason, online? Where are you at? You can check us out at 420wholesalepack.com, or we're on Instagram at uh, 420wholesalepack. And have you seen anything new, neat, niche, or exciting? What's uh, an, an industry uh, repeatable 
thing. That's almost too much to list. I've seen, you know, with a thousand exhibitors and I don't even know, 30 plus thousand attendees or more. Um, I've seen tons of innovation of the show. I've had people come up to me and show me new products that I got to literally take home and go test, you know, and find out. So, you know, you see a lot of, what do you got? Uh, so I, I found a new pod system that's a dual chamber pod system. So you could do an Indica Sativa in one, one, one shot, same battery. So, so, you know, so I'm, so I'm pretty stoked about that. I got to obviously take it home, do some R&D and uh, make sure the stuff works the way it's advertised. But, uh, you know, that's a big thing in this industry that we really do. And it sounds like you guys too, is really make sure you vet. You know, your partners and then also the equipment that you're bringing in if you're partnering with a manufacturer make sure if they're selling you compostable you make sure that's compostable i'm not going to take your word for it i'm going to make sure this stuff is real you know not doing marketing gimmicks we're doing solutions but you're, you you hit that song in hand because you guys talked about like the labels what happens if this happens and it switches regulatory effects that we've dealt with all of these i have thirty thousand packages right now and i'm not going to say the packaging company because i'm a huge fan of the guy personally and i know he's trying to be a solution but when we bought it to ed and d6 it's not a solution it's a problem it's uh it's not a hundred percent it is hundred percent plant-based it's 30 percent plant-based it's got all those hey taglines of what we think is right and it's not it's wrong it's not it's not compostable it's 130 years in a landfill it sits there the plastic is made out of hemp true 30 percent 100 percent plant but it's made so durable you can't break it down there is no machine recycling machine recombustible re- i mean recompostable machine nothing that can break down these hard plastics it doesn't matter if it's plant-based or hemp-based or it can be whatever you want it could be asbestos for all i care because it's the same crap you know because you know so now i i was going to come out on our line with all of these thirty thousand SKUs coming out in these and i just had to eat it because at the end of the day i can't look you in the eye and tell you i have a solution i have 100 plant-based 30% hemp based and I'm, I'm egomaniacal enough as I went into D6 with a solution and threw it on the table of a guy that does packaging for Walmart and he knows packaging unbelievably well he's an expert Nike, Conag, 3M I mean the thing with D6 he, he's a phenomenal packaging solution guys he has cube optimization where he makes your whole display look beautiful at the same time as saving you space I mean they've gone so far above and beyond what packaging is like you they're thinking about the end user they're not thinking about the dollar they're making they're not thinking about they're thinking about solutions all problems in the money so that, that's the way we've seen with Ed and D6 is that that commitment, again, is changing the way we're viewing packaging. So that's where I came in. I didn't come in for a solution. I came in with my ego to talk to my buddy Ed that happens to have this amazing company, and he schooled me. So the humble will be exalted, and the exalted will be humbled. I was very humbled by Ed that day, and uh, it's put me on a new mission in life because for 30 years I've been pushing the product and pushing it very well um, from Dope Magazine to glass to the actual trenches of cannabis. But Ed's the first one that woke me up to the fact that I am part of the problem, period. You know, and I think we all have a solution in it if we work together. And that's, you know, but I, I can tell you, I'm not going to walk into Ed or your offices anymore with my plastic packages and start talking to you guys about my expertise. So I'll stick to the green side. Michael Fox, where can they find you online? 420moving.com. We're a 420 moving company, a branding and marketing firm. I have Fridays 365 uh, product lines. We, we, uh, we're everywhere. But check us out at 420moving.com and uh, be a part of the solution, not the problem. And so, again, what is uh, something you found that was new? niche exciting or uh, just something you want to share? Yes, I'm looking at it. The Trojan label, this Astro Nova company machine is, I mean, eight labels across. It might not mean anything to a lot of you guys listening, but if you're pushing out dube tubes or anything and looking at real print solutions, this is an incredible machine. I mean, it's, I'm excited. Can about they find that? You can get it right at 420wholesalepack.com. All right, so you guys have a crystal ball in front of you, obviously, because uh, I can see it, and everyone on this podcast can see it too. Uh, what do you see in the future in your own industry, Jason? I mean, our big focus at ours, our company, is just sustainable packaging. Is every single package in this industry is a problem right now from a sustainability standpoint, and uh, so we're we're just tackling them one at a time, and we want to just revolutionize the packaging industry and make and make everything sustainable. That's a clean crystal ball. I actually wrote that. He just read what I had written. So I'm just going to say I said that. Yeah, you saw that. You guys can't see that, but that was written down by me. No. Um, we're going to work with 420 Wholesale Packing and everybody else that we can get into this solution. I mean, 
it's a period. I mean, with me, it's uh, it's still going to be, uh, they're going to have to drag cannabis out of my dead cold hands, you know, because I love it. But on the other hand, with you guys and the companies that we have at this table, we have real life solutions for more than cannabis. We have retail and packaging solutions for the world. And that's that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to proud of your dead cold hands probably as well. So with that, this is uh, Faith in Awake, day three, DJ Biscon, Chronics. I'm out. I am here with Elmino. Uh, he's from Israel. He's got this pretty neat little product. Briefly, uh, it's about cannabis testing. So, um, kind of looks like an Alexa third-party uh, or an app um, with like a, a giant speaker. But essentially, what it does is it does THC testing. Uh, and so, you can get more information at uh, how do you pronounce that? Gimmistry. It was very interesting. It, it all started with them asking me what I was going to do in Vegas and me giving the wrong answer. What you say? I said I was going to a cannabis convention. Yeah, first mistake. I told the truth. I, I'm, I'm not from here, so I'm, I'm used to like getting scared of border, border patrol officials. Um, I got stopped for about 20 to 30 minutes. They were asking me a couple of questions regarding uh, who I work for, what I'm going to do in Vegas, uh, what type of convention I'm going for. And it was funny because the phrase that let me go was that, me telling them that I'm an unpaid intern and I am making absolutely no profit. Interesting. So this is the TSA flight for at least a half hour. And you feel that they only let you go because you're not going to make any money on your business trip. I'm not profiting from the industry right now. So I, th I think that the TSA's problem was basically the fact that cannabis is not legal federal wide. And the fact that you can uh, obtain a financial benefit from the cannabis industry is still not out of out in the open. That's correct. Did I answer your question? That was stop one. Stop two was when I lost my uh, my carry on. I had to exit the airport, come back in, and the same thing happened. I, I told the truth again. Yeah. Uh, that was shorter. That was like 15, 20 minutes. First one was like 30 minutes. Absolutely. My name is Emilio Markovic. Awesome. So we're Gemaster, an Israeli biotech company that specializes in the manufacturing of cannabis and, uh, analysis uh, devices. Right now we're testing uh, total THC and total CBD, but we're incorporating additional cannabinoids as well as mold and moisture in the future months. Uh, that will be rolled only with software updates. Uh, we use three types of technology. We use near-infrared spectroscopy, uh, combined with image analysis, also known as computer vision, as well as data science. So we use machine learning to minimize the variance that we obtain from our device. Our device has approximately a 10% variance on our tests, which means that if you have a bud that is 10% THC, you will get readings between 9 and 11. If it's 20%, you will get readings between 18 and 22. But since each test takes one to two minutes, you can spend 10 minutes testing, take the average, and you'll get a result that's on par with HPLC. And there's no additional purchases. It's all just software updates. Um, we're looking to incorporate additional cannabinoids as well as molded moisture, as I said before, but also other products such as CBD isolate. We're, we're doing all of this on a on-request basis. We cannot do pesticides for heavy metals because of the technology we use. We do not use HPLC. We use the NIRS. Mm -hmm.
So near infrared spectroscopy does not analyze um, organic, com uh, organic compounds by the particle, the particle level, but rather in the wavelength uh, level. And in the wavelength, uh, wavelength level, uh, pesticides and heavy metals are not detectable yet. Oh, please visit us on G-E-M-M-A-C-E-R-T.com. That's chemmaster.com. Or come find us in Israel. Awesome. This is Josh now. All right, day three here at uh, MJ BizCon. This is Josh Kincaid, Superconics here at the Cali Candy Kitchen with Chelsea. Oh, we're, we're multiple hats here. Did you get a red one? neighbors. Final day at MJ BizCon here at the Cali Candy Kitchen, Candy Buds with Chelsea. How's it going? Not you, bad, not bad for the third day. How you holding up? I'm still standing. Yeah, I'm a little ragged myself. So, um, Candy Buds, it looks like these are, are, are nugs. Are you selling weed here? Absolutely not. Okay, what's up with Candy Buds? Tell me about it. Candy looks exactly like weed. No THC, no CBD. The appearance is ridiculously similar. And uh, the quality and juice is there. I love the novelty of it. It looks exactly like cannabis. So you have purple, you have green. It looks like different strains. The texture is, is identical. Um, I, I know one of your competitors is Cocoa Nugs, one of Burner's products. But these actually taste better than, uh, than, than Burner. What's the secret sauce? Uh, love and sass. Love it. Now, can CBD or TC be a part of that? Like if I wanted to private label, are there opportunities to do that? If you're licensed, there are. Love it. So you can send out some raw product and then make it infuse it in their state and deal with that. Absolutely. We can do individual contracts with them in their own state to be the only ones to produce as well if they get to us soon enough. So how's the customer feedback? Have you had some pretty good validation? Uh, great validation. Tons of people bringing people back. We're almost down to our last products and they're still going off the shelf. Nice. So the show is a success for you, you'd say? Absolutely. Love it. Well, I've had it. It's Super Chronic approved. They got some moon rocks and uh, some blunts that you can fill. They're hollow in the inside, so they can ship it out to you and you can fill it up. Uh, terpenes as well. So very cool product. Uh, wish you could taste it, smell it, touch it, scratch it. Love it. Day three, Super Chronics. That sounds stupid. You better cut my ass. Day three, Canicon. This is Josh. representing Banked in a week here with me. At Seattle Canon Gear. I just looked that up. Just Seattle Gear. Okay, day three. Did I mention that? Right, <laughs> you had quite the schedule, man. Tell me, uh, what, did you manage all of them? Where'd you go? How was it? Give me a recap on all those parties. Oh my god. Well, last night I started, uh, I, I hit everything that I intended to, but I mapped it out beforehand. I hit uh, the Palms at 420. Um, that was actually the LGBTQ mixer. It was the first one at any MJ BizCon ever. So How was it? It, it, it was awesome. There were it was a smaller group, but um, it was a nice start to see what this industry is going to do for the future. Yeah, and then I did the Wonderland party at Artisan Hotel. Um, I hit the Dope Cup or uh, Golden Ticket party, and then I did High Times. Wow, how was that? It was amazing. High Times was lit. Really? Yeah. There was a line at Dope, but it was moving pretty quick. It was, it was all right. It was all right. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot. Um, uh, uh, it, there were uh, contortionists. There were comedians. There were just all sorts of different things. That, I did see that at the Artisan. Uh, yeah, at Wonderland. Yeah. 
There was a hedge maze. They had a hookah lounge set up. Yeah, there, it was just all sorts of people dressed up. There, it was um, the VIP was this uh, this uh, room upstairs with the dab lounge. It was just um, it was just wow, sounds beautiful. Rough. All right, so you've been here for a couple of time, a couple of days. This is your first time at Vegas, first time to Vegas. Oh, that's true. What's the thing that kind of stuck out in your mind? Um, uh, I'd say probably the connections that I'm making outside of these walls. Yes, the people. Yeah, no, the expo's been wonderful, but um, uh, it's just been a lot of the connections that I've been making outside of this, this space as well. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, any shout-outs? Uh, how can they find Seattle Gear? Uh, SeattleGearCo.com. I'm like, what am I doing? Anyway, but look at this shit. First of all, the motherfucker was packaged in 2017. It's the dates on these joints. Like, you bought a joint at a rec shop, and it, it was made in 2016. This one was 2018. That's not bad. So that's not bad. But one, two, 2018 was packaged. So it was rolled. 11 months ago. 11 months ago. But the other joint you got was made in 2016. It was made in 2017 in June of 2017. smoke. I handed it to TJ. <laughs> no, not you. TJ. That's right. I just told him I had another guy. It's funny because I, uh, I don't know how old these joints were supposed to are. I mean, those have been in mine. This cart. Oh, here. They're, they're Look at this years. cart. Look at this cart. First of all, it's a half mail cart, right? We'll hold it right side up. Oh, leave that. That all rolls down to the bottom. You tell me that that's going to be full to the top. Uh, it ain't. It's about, it's, it's about where that line is short. But let's again... How much did you pay for this this uh, oil card? Sixty. It's supposed to be one gram. Oh, half a gram. Yeah, for $60. Now, look, now look, eleven fourteen. That was when I bought it. Manufactured on eleven thirty seventeen. Wow. Packaged on twelve seven seventeen. It's eleven months old. Wow. Could bring it back to the store and sell some fucking jump out of my store. <laughs> <laughs> Because the shit that we were going through three, four years ago, we're going to watch it. Yeah, I'm going to leave that tag on it. I'm going to bring this so we'll just leave you with all this. It's a Yes. The show was amazing. It's, it's my third year going to MJ Biz. I just sort of see the scale and the size. I mean, the industry is emerging as a, with the potential that everyone anticipated, it's emerging as a real industry. I mean, three years ago, all the floors and the exhibit booths were in small conference front rooms, and we're now in a major exhibit hall with at the Rio. Forget, and now we're in the major convention hall. It's a legitimate industry, and just sort of see that. There's a palpable enthusiasm for what's emerging, not only on the cannabis marijuana side, but the CBD side. I mean, with the Farm Bill projected to pass with the hemp back in it uh, as early as January, I mean, there's a palpable buzz about CBD as its own standalone industry, or hemp being its standalone industry as bigger, bigger. And to see the enthusiasm for both of those derivatives of the cannabis plant is 
it's uh, it's exciting to see. And 10,000 two years ago. Right. Yep. Yep. All three days. I mean, a lot of people that talk, I'm a consumer products guy, that's my background, doing sales marketing and go to market strategy and product innovation in the beer business for a long time, and most recently in the cannabis space for the edibles. Um, everyone's been talking about beverage, especially with the investment interest that's happening north of the border in Canada with Constellation Brands and Diageo and, and Canopy, the Canopy. So a lot of people have been wondering, you know, what's going to be, what is the form factor for liquid refreshment or beverage that's going to take place? And I saw something that I thought uh, could be it. Two roots, uh, a can of beer, take it a craft, craft-produced beer that they're de-alking and then infusing conventional can with a five milligram. They're boasting that they have, I don't know if they all, I haven't tried it myself, but they're boasting a quick time to onset that's comparable to the experience that you have when drinking alcohol. If they had that nail, I think they're early on to something. That was, for me, from a consumer product side, was one of the more exciting things that I've seen. But there are a lot of big booths that don't fill their space, and they were they were full all three. That's true. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, cannabis is being disrupted to the alcohol beverage space. That's why you have all these world mega brands that are trying to figure out how to get their, their, dip their toe in the, in the pool. And I think the, that was the first time I've played, like, infused sodas. I don't think people want to drink soda. And, but if you do a can of beer that actually tastes like a good beer and has the same time to onset effect uh, and re- replaces um, alcohol, that could be just the disruptor that Constellation and Diageo and those big brewers are, are worried about and looking to invest in. seen the one yeah. 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 yeah did you see, did you see their headset panel that Sai spoke to Sai Scott the founder did you see his presentation We were just talking about what's next in edibles and uh, what's interesting is brand is important but brand still hasn't emerged yet so be curious that's my biggest takeaway is who's going to be the disruptor that's going to break through the clutter and establish a real brand because i do believe Just starting. I think it's a nascent industry and it's a nascent stage 
Earth, the, the heavy user, the person who's fueling the tills at the register initially, but I think looking forward to what the future has, where the growth opportunity is to bring the, the welcome back potter or the cannabis curious consumer into the fold. And that consumer is to look for branding or want something they can trust. That's what branding is about. And even though in surveys, when asked if brand matters, I think consumers don't like to admit they're being marketed to and tend to shy with the marketing, but they, they dislike that they do look for things that they, that they adopt, that they trust. And that's the basis of branding. And I think uh, that's yet to emerge. You'll see it start to emerge over the next couple of years. And that's going to lead to consolidation. There's a lot of players, too many players, with processing and producer licenses, in particular in Washington State, relative to the, the number of retailers there are to, to reach the Consolidation will be had. I think the next 18 to 24 months, you'll see a lot of consolidation, which is capitalism. Yeah. It's also interesting is that I think you're starting to see there's enough conversation happening that the ecosystem is starting to be developed. It's one of the things that makes cannabis the wacky, what I call the wacky world of weed. And it's not just there's tons of entrepreneurs, but in most, I've been part of a number of startups in my career. And each one of them, the brand that I've worked with, has been a disruptor in an existing product category, so an existing ecosystem where the go-to-market, the distribution, the retail is already well-developed and very sophisticated. Here you have an ecosystem that everything, the regulatory authority, the legislation, the, the distributors, the producers, the processors, the people who are building brands. And it's interesting the reason I think you have an unusually high number of people who are not exactly sure what their lane is yet. And so they're all trying to do a little bit of a lot and not doing it necessarily any of it particularly well, and I think you're starting to see a move towards some people focusing on certain things, and that's going to be the paradigm that will really catapult the industry towards brands and make it have a shape more like other consumer product markets. I think, you know, there are some states that I have a bias that I... I'll acknowledge my bias. I think Washington is the best market from a brand standpoint so far. And uh, I think in Colorado, as an example, here this can be fully vertically oriented, that that's a position that people see as an advantage from controlling markets. But it, you don't do anything exceptionally well. It's hard to be a good retailer, a good cultivator, a good processor, a good producer, and a good brand builder. So I think that's one of the reasons I think Washington has some better better product and better brands because it has people that are focusing on that, people that are not being distracted with trying to figure out how to be a good retailer and a calculator, and a brand builder. I think that's really hard. I think with the exception of very few, a few growers, except for the flower side, I think people in edibles, in general, whether it's beverage, baked goods, are all chasing an opportunity. They believe in the product. Many of them, some of some number of them, certainly believe in the product they're creating and are prideful around that. But you get to see. I think that one of the marketing opportunities in the future is, I think, flour has a story to tell that it's yet to yet to be told. It hasn't seemed like with beer, people talk about hops. 
and the variety of the hops and the source of the hops, the source of origin of the ingredients. If you look at the Natural Food Channel, we're very aware of the, the certification ingredient, but there's also not only certifications like organic, non-GMO, and gluten-free, but they're also very in tune to the, con- the company and the story of the founding of the company and the culture of the company. That's yet to emerge in this industry because so many people are chasing an opportunity and haven't evolved their brands, and that's where brand will come to play. So is it good or it's bad? I mean, I think everyone's in this to make money. I think it will become normal, like any other consumer product industry. And initially, there were a lot of people who got into it because they're pot friendly. They're like, dude, I can make money selling pot legally. You know, I think that's a lot of the initial enthusiasm. Uh, I'm a brand guy. Let's find a brand that I can believe in. I'm a, I'm a parallel brand ambassador when I find something I can believe in. If I could find a, a founder or and or a brand that I'm excited about, um, that's what I'm looking for. I'm believe that. Help bring bring a brand to life. Uh, email's the best way: brownmdb910 at gmail.com.